When I was a little kid, in fact, we were out at Prescott yesterday riding bikes, and we saw a family reunion going on. And I reminded my wife, I said, Barb, I remember back when I was a little kid, we used to have these family reunions. It was always around this time of the year, around the end of May, because that was when the Indianapolis 500 was taking place. And I would have uncles who would come in from Colorado and Illinois. They would get together. Uh, They enjoyed the food and the fellowship, but they also enjoyed tipping a few. And they would always have a, a big meal together, and then... They would get in their car and head out for the Indianapolis 500. And I remember very specifically on this one day, they loaded up the car. They had another fellow in the car with them. His name was Bud. His last name was Weiser. And as they took off down the gravel road on the countryside, the car was literally going crossways in the road. They had floored it. They were going crossways in the road. They hit the railroad track. We watched the car leave all four wheels over the railroad track, and away they went. And all we could do was just simply say, God help them. (laughs) But they were headed somewhere because they knew that there was a race about to take place. They knew that something exciting and monumental was happening because they were about to be a part of a race that included many cars, many drivers, and a lot of things happening, and at the end of the day, there was going to be a winner. My mission this morning is, we're walking through this series, is to help remind us that we need to stay on track. And these folk who came this morning and accepted Jesus as their Savior and Lord, certainly this message is for you. But for all of us here, because what I'm sensing that God has put in my heart this morning is this. I have three points to my message. But here's the thing. If we don't catch the first one, we're never going to get past where we are and into the future. Now, I'm going to give you just a very, very brief history. And you may not be interested in racetracks, but I have a point. So stay with me. Racetracks can be traced back to early civilization. As far as ancient Greece, there they had these arenas called hippodromes. Hippo meaning horse and dromos meaning race that's where they would conduct the chariot races in the roman empire their arenas were called circus maximus and that's where a lot of the races took place within that arena in the middle ages around everywhere from 1740 and on race tracks were coming up in civilization and people were using those as a way of racing the horses, racing the chariots, and and that was their expression of of entertainment and competition. With the advent of the automobile around 1896, one of the first uh, car racetracks opened up in the United States in Rhode Island, and in 1909, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway was opened. So throughout civilization, there has always been something to accommodate Animal sports, human sports, motor sports, and even transportation. So the point of this little introduction is this. Whether it has been dog racing or horse racing, bobsled racing, car racing, whatever the form of race has been, the obvious goal has always been to stay on track Reach your final destination and receive a prize. 
when we realize where we are today, if you're not aware of this, we are in a race. We're in a race, and some call it the human race, and I've heard others refer to it as the rat race. Because think with me. We get up in the morning, and we race to go to work. We race out for lunch. We race home and have supper. We race to the soccer field. We race to the gymnastics meet. We race to the baseball diamond. We race to the golf course. We race to the grocery store to buy something to eat as we are racing home. We race to get ready for bed so we can get a few hours sleep to get up in the morning and race again. We're in a race. And that race gets tiring. Now, the Apostle Paul, in writing to the Philippians, talks about a different type of race. And what he's saying to those in the Philippian church is this. He's saying that when you become a follower of Jesus, these people who came this morning and stood at the front of this altar, confessed their sin, repented of their past, and asked forgiveness of Jesus, friends, you are now in a new race. You are in a race that is going to be filled with challenges, but there's going to be an eternal prize at the end of the race. So in order to keep us on track, what I'm going to share with you is three things that I think has to happen in order for us to stay on track. Number one, we must forget the past. And I want to read a scripture with you today. It's going to be up on the screen. It's our anchor scripture, if you will, for this message. It's found in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet having take hold of it. In other words, he says, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't reached it yet. But one thing I do, that word but is a conjunction that bridges two sentences. I haven't attained, but here's what I'm doing. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This Apostle Paul is saying to us that he hasn't arrived yet, and none of us have arrived yet. But he says, even though I haven't arrived yet, I haven't attained, this is what I'm going to do. And the first thing, the first part of this is I'm going to have to forget the past. Now, I'm going to stop here just for a moment, and I'm going to stay just for a little while, because God has impressed on me throughout these last several days that this is something that that you and I need to deal with. Whether we realize it or not, there are many of us in this sanctuary who have become prisoners of the past. Our past innocence. Our past youth. You still are thinking about those days when you had no responsibilities. You're still thinking about those days when you were carefree and footloose and and was able to just go and do what you wanted to do. Those times are still embedded in your mind. We are have become prisoners of our past failures and our past mistakes 
and we become prisoners of past circumstances. We have become prisoners of all of the things that's been a part of our past, even our achievements. And if you will think with me for a while this morning, think about your past and think about the the, the tone or the context of our conversation. If my conversation is more about the past than it is the present, I do not have a future. And we, we, it's easy to get stuck in this concept. It's easy for us to indwell in the past. So here's what I'm asking you to do this morning. I do not want you to listen to me intellectually. I want you to ask God to open your heart and listen with your heart today. Because if all I'm doing this morning is dealing with your intellect, you will sit there and reason why what I'm saying doesn't apply to you. But if you and I will open our hearts this morning, the Holy Spirit will reveal to us that it's a heart matter. Because you see, our brain tells us a multitude of things. Our heart, that new heart, that these people just experienced this morning, God created in them a new heart. The difficulty we've had in coming to the Lord is we are trying to serve the Lord with a new heart being emphasized by an old brain. And it doesn't work. So my appeal to you this morning is not intellectually, but my appeal to you today is asking God to open our hearts and reveal to us what we need to do to forget the past. Say, but Pastor Don, you don't know my past, and you don't know mine. Do you think that just because we have a title of pastor that we don't have a past? You see, there are things that I have done in the past that I will never repeat in the future. There are things that I've done in the past that I've been ashamed of. There's things that I have done in the past that I've regretted tremendously. But here is the thing that makes me move on and press forward and reach for that prize because I know through the Word of God that the Bible says that when we are cleansed, when we are redeemed, when our sins are forgiven, the blood of Jesus comes and covers our past. Amen? Our past is covered. Now, we understand that our brain works as a file cabinet. And you may be wondering, you mean I have to forget it? No, you're not going to forget it. Some of us have better memories than others. Some of us have selective memories. Unfortunately, I think, I don't know if I'm blessed or cursed with the memory that I can tell you everything that's ever happened in my past to the detail, to what people were wearing, where I was at, what was going on. And friends, if I allow myself to dwell on that, I get depressed, I get discouraged, I throw up my hand, what's the use? But I come back and reminded of the Word of God, spurred on by the Holy Spirit, that the blood of Jesus Christ has covered my past. Because you see, if we allow our past to become a part of our present, it's going to definitely influence our future. And I'm talking about not only when you were a child, but I'm talking about in a church this size, there's many of us here who are still dealing and struggling with past theological concepts because you have not come out 
of a church such as Erie First Assembly. Perhaps you have not been used to the form of worship. Perhaps you have not been used to the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Perhaps you've not been used to some of the things that we do. And as Pastor John shared with us this morning, the concept of tithing. So you come in on Sunday and you are still you are still working and wrestling with this whole concept of I don't understand all that's going on and why we do the things that we do. But you see, if you are feeling that God has called you here, and this is where God wants you to be, those things that you have experienced, not necessarily bad, but that's your past. Because at Erie First Assembly, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe in divine healing. We believe in giving unto God 10%, which is portion. We believe in the rapture, even though it didn't happen yesterday. We believe not only in the rapture, but the second coming of Jesus. We believe in the great white throne judgment. These are things that we believe. And if I'm taking the past beliefs and trying to mix them in with where I am presently, it's only going to bring confusion when I try to move into the future. And I'm not asking this morning that we become robots. I'm not saying that we become puppets. I'm saying open your heart to the Holy Spirit and let the Word of God sink in because we must forget the past. Because we are only as good as our last victory. We're only as good as our last victory. The Apostle Paul knew a little bit about this. In fact, he said, you want to talk about the past? I'll talk about the past. He gave us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24 through 28... It's not on the screen today, but let me read it for you because I've, I've put it in a context that, that, that I'm able to share with you today. The Apostle Paul says this, <clears throat> I have worked much harder, been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count, at death's door time after time. I've been flogged five times. I've been beaten with 39 lashes, beaten by Roman rods three times, Pummeled with rocks once, I've been shipwrecked three times, immersed in the open sea for a night and day, in hard traveling year in and year out. I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country. I've been endangered by desert, sun, and sea storm. And betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I have known drudgery and hard labor. Many a long and lonely night without sleep. Many a missed meal. Blasted by the cold. And naked to the weather. At the end of that verse, he says this. Yet in my weakness, I am strong. Yet in my weakness, I am strong. So can I encourage you this morning that if you get nothing else out of my message today, that you will leave here with an understanding that we have to leave the past behind. I'm not a mind reader. I'm not a psychic. 
But I know simply by human dynamics that there are people in the sound of my voice this morning who are still, excuse me, still holding on because of what Aunt Nellie said 20 years ago. Some of you are still having a difficult time dealing with how your boss treated you three jobs back. Some of you this morning may have come in and you're struggling <clears throat> excuse me, with the fact it's Pastor Dan's is catching my losing my voice. You are struggling because on your way to church somebody cut you off. And you've come in with a rotten attitude because of the past. There are things that happen in our lives, and time does not permit me to share with you personal stories, but I can tell you this. In my life, and the 41 years that Barbara and I have been married, the 30-plus years in ministry, if we allowed our past to become a part of our present, we would be discouraged, we would be disappointed, we would be bitter, we would be seeking revenge, we would have resentment. All of these negative things would totally consume us if we allowed that past to become a part of our present. And I'm staying on this point simply for this reason. Friends, if we're going to move forward in the future, we've got to let go of our past. We've got to understand that Jesus Christ has covered our past. It is no longer a part of our present. And it will not hinder our future. I may have said this from the platform, but I oftentimes use it at funerals. I remind the people there at the funeral that do you know when you got in your car today, if you were to look, that your rearview mirror is smaller than your windshield? And if you don't believe me, check it out when you get in your car this morning. Your rearview mirror is smaller than your windshield, and there's a reason for that. Because where you are going is more important than where you've been. And one of the struggles that we have, as, even as Christians today, is we're trying to live where we've been and asking God to give us direction where he wants us to go, and then we're frustrated because we don't have any answers. And what God is saying is basically take that rearview mirror down, throw it away, look through the windshield, lead by my Holy Spirit, listen to my word, hear what I'm wanting to say to you because I've got some place I want you to go. And it's not in the past. So the Apostle Paul says, we have to forget our past. That's important. He said, this one thing I do is I forget the past. And then he says, we have to fight in the present. He wrote to the Ephesian church in chapter 6, verse 10 through 12. He gave them this message. He said, finally... Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I'm going to read that again. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, 
against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He says that to encourage us because, again, we get confused as believers. And we think that our fight, again, is against our neighbor or our family members or our co-workers. And Paul says, no, 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 no. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood. If you encounter somebody that's giving you a hard time, they've got a bad attitude, and they're just really on, on, on your backside, and it's just so... You, you have to understand this is not a flesh and blood thing. It's a spiritual thing. Either you, you've been so ornery to cause it, or they've just got a real bad attitude that's responding to it. But it's not a flesh and blood thing. It's a spiritual thing. So the Apostle Paul says... We have to fight in the present. That's usually where we become weary. Because we start out, our dear friends this morning, they came to the altar and accepted Jesus. I'm sure your hearts are light. I'm sure that you are feeling good about what Jesus has done in your heart. I'm sure you're excited about this new journey that you're beginning. And I'm not wanting to bust your bubble, but I can tell you from experience that the, as you are journeying with Jesus and as you're experiencing the, all of the circumstances and the situations in life, there will come a time in your life where there will be a fight because the enemy gets upset when he sees people who have turned from his way and following the way of Jesus. When you enter into your prayer life, most of us here have experienced this. You enter into a prayer closet or a time of prayer, and it seems like a struggle. It just seems like a battle to to take that time to pray. Because here's why. There's no one who believes in prayer more than Satan. Not because he practices it, but because he suffers from it. So he understands the power of prayer. He understands the power of when you open the word of God and you begin to read, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. He understands when you open up the word of God and it says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He understands when you turn to Romans chapter 8 and it says, nothing, nothing, nothing shall separate me from the love of God. He understands that and he will do everything that he can to keep you away from the word of God, to keep you away from your prayer life and to keep you away from coming and being a part of a community of believers that can stand with you. It is a fight. And unfortunately, we find ourselves at times saying, just don't want to fight anymore. But Paul says, you got to. You got to press. You got to press. It's no different than that runner that's running the marathon. And I, I Googled on YouTube this week. I, go, I, I do know how to Google to YouTube. Uh, I'm, I'm becoming IT intelligent little by little. And I Googled and I simply put on there unfinished races. And it brought me to some of the sites that showed people who were running marathons. In fact, one of them was, I felt bad for the guy, but it was a little humorous. He actually was coming in first place. 
And he got to the tape, and he slipped and fell. And the person went by him to get the prize. I watched as those who were running the marathon became so cramped in their legs that they could not walk. And if they did try to walk, they were walking like this, trying to get to the end of the race. You see, there's a race that we're running, friends. And I'm not going to, enough has been said, and you've heard and talked enough about the whole prediction of yesterday. But I agree with Pastor. And it was a great segue into this message. We've got to stay on track. Because we don't know when Jesus is coming back. We don't know when that day or that hour is happening. But we have to stay on track. Because here's the thing. While the work of Christ for us is complete, the work of the Holy Spirit in us will not be complete until we leave this earth. What we experience at our point of salvation, the work of Christ for us is complete. When Jesus hung upon Calvary's cross, he said, it is finished. When we come to Christ and confess our sin and repent and ask forgiveness, it is finished. But the work of the Holy Spirit will never be complete in us until the day that we leave this earth. That's a good thing because we know that there's always room for growth and there's always room for improvement. When we're fighting, it requires a strong exertion of every muscle, every nerve, every fiber of our being. I don't know how many of you have had a chance to watch people run. Back in high school, I, I didn't run track. I did watch some of the events, but I don't know what they're like today. I don't think there's very many cinder tracks left, but we had cinder tracks. Now, cinder tracks weren't so bad unless you tripped and fell. And then you get these bloody messes up and down your shins and your legs because you just go skidding in the cinders. But when we look at this whole concept, we realize the exertion. You say, but Pastor Don, it's almost like it's almost like you're you're wearing us out and, and, and making this sound like such a such a, a battle and such a hard thing to do. Only if you try to do it by yourself. Only if you try to do it intellectually. Only if you're sitting at home or in your place of work thinking, how can I intellectually follow Jesus so it's not going to be a battle? And I've never come to that place where I can intellectually figure that out. But I do know this. Jesus gave us these words. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My friend, you can't run this race by yourself. You can't not run this race by intellect alone. 
You cannot run this race in your own strength, in your own power, in your own might. That's why God has given us the promise of the Holy Spirit to empower us to run a race that has been set before us. Spiritual strength comes from spiritual exercise. If any of you have ever been inside of a gymnasium or a workout room or you belong to LECOM or the Y or any of these places, you understand that. You understand that you only become stronger the more that you exercise. The less that you exercise, the less strength that you have. You say, well, what does that mean? That means there are spiritual exercises. And again, as I alluded to, there's an exercise of prayer. There's an exercise of reading the Word. There's an exercise of fellowshipping together with a community of believers. There's, there's these spiritual exercises in our life that the more we do them, the stronger we become. That's a part of fighting in the present. And it requires stamina. Say, but Pastor Don, I've got to be honest. There's been times when I've wanted to quit. Join the ranks. There have been times, in fact, I know for a fact, and I've talked about this often with people, if I did not know that there was a significant, definite call on my life to ministry, I would not be on this platform today. This was not my first choice. So, oh, that just really took you down a notch in my mind. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's in the past. Get over it. I love the military. I could have made the military a career, except my wife would not have made a good military bride. I've loved sports. I've coached sports. I've played sports. I've taught sports. I love to teach. So either it would have been a career in the military or a career of teaching in a school and coaching at some level in the sport world, but not doing what I'm doing. Say, why are you here? Because I know without a shadow of a doubt that there has been a call placed on my life to follow Jesus, and there's been a call placed on my life to enter into the ministry and do what little I can do as these people that stood with us this morning, not just to fill a position, but to help change a generation. You see, there are times you've wanted to quit. There are times people have made you mad enough to quit. You just let them get under your skin. And they just, phooey, I'm, I'm throwing my hands up with that. But here's the thing. <clears throat> no one has ever received a prize for running half a race. I've never seen that. In my close to 64 years, I've never watched the officials go back two lengths around the track and say, I know you're not going to finish the race, but we just want to give you this nice trophy because you showed up. I've never watched as, as people are running and the races that we've been talking about, I've never watched them go up to someone who's just sat down and quit and said, I'm not going to finish the race. Well, honey, that's okay. Here's a nice plaque and a gift certificate, and, and we're just giving you a whole week's free paid vacation. But you don't have to finish. We just 
Thanks for your effort. See, we serve a loving and gracious God, but God is looking for those who are going to finish and finish strong. That'll be the last message of this series, how to finish strong. What I'm trying to do this morning is to help you and I to stay on track. So we have to forget the past. We have to fight in the present. And part of that fighting is when we feel like quitting, that's when we gather those people around us that won't let us quit. And if you watch any of the videos on, on the marathons, you will see those who are so cramped up in their, in their muscles they can't finish, and a couple people come along beside them and lift them up under each arm and walk with them to the finish line because we're not going to let you quit. You've got to get there. You've got to finish the race. Now, a very common analogy that I'll give to you that, that will help tie this in. I know we probably have several people who love to golf in church today, men and women. If you're a true golfer, I mean a real golfer, and you go out and on the first tee, you hit a good shot, you actually get par. Second hole, par. Third hole, not so good. You got a hook. You got a slice. You undercut the ball, and lo and behold, what was actually a par four turns into a par eight. But if you are a true, avid golfer, I've never heard a golfer yet say, I had a bad hole on the course today, I'm quitting. Whether it's golfing or bowling or fishing, and I know that ladies love to fish as well. But guys, if you're an avid fisherman, if that's something that's in your blood, you can go out and set for a whole day and get rain-soaked and mosquito bit and never get a bite on your line, come back home saying, Honey, I had a good day, and I'm going out tomorrow. You don't quit. Church, we can't quit. We can't quit. As pastor said to us this morning, There's some neighbors around us that maybe not know Jesus. There's people that we work with that maybe do not know Jesus. There's a race that we're running, and we do get weary, we do get tired, but Jesus gives us that strength, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to continue. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27 I read this in the message, and I thought, this, this is just going to really connect with us this morning. So I want, to, I, I want to read it with you today. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs. One wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you. But I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. What a difference it makes when we understand this. That God has called us. He has not called us, friends, to come to Erie First Assembly and to become spectators. He hasn't called you to come to this church to be entertained. 
He's called you to become a part, a group, a fellowship of believers that believe that we're not about filling positions, but about changing generations. It is a race. It is something that we forget our past. We fight in the present. And we understand that there is a prize. But we've got to run. We've got to run. If you ever saw the movie Forrest Gump for the 58th time, Forrest is sitting on the park bench talking to this lady friend and talking about his early childhood. And the movie clip goes to when he was just a little fella and he had a girlfriend, Jenny. But Forrest had had problems with his legs and he has these braces up and down both of his legs. On the way home from school one day, they're walking out in an isolated area toward his home and these bullies come up and they start making fun of him and throw rocks at him. And one hits him in the head. And Forrest turns to go toward his home, but he's got braces on. Are you catching this? He's got something that's impeding him, something that's holding him back, something that won't let him run. But he starts out, and it's awkward, and it's awkward, and they're laughing, and they're trying to follow him, and they're throwing rocks at him. And all of a sudden, something dynamically happens that he is exercising and exerting and pressing and straining and running and using all of the energy in his body, the braces begin to fall off. And the last word you hear is Jenny saying, Run, Forrest, run! And of course, you know the rest of the story. It happened again. Happened when he was in the football stadium, up and down, up and down the field, running out of the stadium. And then he gets on his trick across country, run, 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 run. He picks up some followers, and he's running, running, running. And at the end of his running, he says, they say, Forrest, why are you running? And Forrest said, my mama always told me that you have to put the past behind you if you're ever going to move in the future. See, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. And then we must finish with the prize. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8, the Apostle Paul says this, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all of those that eerie first assembly of God who are faithful and will run and persevere and wrestle and fight to run the race of life. In other words, all of those who've longed for his appearing. So what are we running for? See, that, that, that's, that's interesting because I can guarantee you that I could do a, a quick survey here this morning and say, so what's the prize? What are you running for? And some would say, well, I don't want to go to hell. That's why I'm running. And some might say, well, I, yeah, I, heaven sounds better than hell, so I just, just tried to run. 
But you see, here's the thing. Here's the prize. Everything that is mortal becomes immortal. Everything that is corruptible becomes incorruptible. Every tear, every sorrow, every sadness, every heartache, every disease, every infirmity, every illness, every hearing aid, every pair of glasses, every pair down to the lifts you have in your shoes, you will need them no longer because we will see Jesus face to face. And the work will be completed. The race will be run. Life as we know it will be over and it will be in the past. And there will be a crown of righteousness that God gives to us. And we have that opportunity to lay it at the feet of Jesus. If it had not been for you, Lord, I'd never made it. So I encourage you this morning as I close, forget the past, fight in the present, stay on track, and finish with a prize. Finish with a prize. Would you stand with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you have called us to a race. It's a race that we cannot run by ourselves. It's a race that we are not strong enough to endure by ourselves. But we're thankful when your word has told us that your grace will be sufficient for us, that in our weakness we will become strong. And Father, I pray today that our ears have been anointed, that our hearts have been anointed, that lips have been anointed to proclaim this message that as we are moving through the barriers and the pitfalls and the detours of this journey, we've been reminded this morning to stay on track because it'll be worth it all when we see you face to face. Now, Father, let this message be indelibly sealed into our hearts and into our spirits. And I ask this in your precious and wonderful name. Amen. Stay on track, church. It's worth it. God bless you and have a great day in the Lord.